So grab your message notes and let's dive into this today. God bless you. Thank you for being here. How many of you like some popcorn? I, I thought if God would want me to do this in front of you today. And you know, I just feel like I'm supposed to. My family, now I've got to get this down without choking because I can preach since I'm doing that to you. My family are big popcorn eaters, right? And so every night, <clears throat> popcorn gets, gets cooking in our house and you smell it all over the house. It's pretty amazing, though, that where popcorn comes from. And, and what I'm going to do today is I'm, just, I'm not going to keep eating. <laughs> I heard a snicker. I'm using it as an illustration. This is my illustration today to bring you in, all right? I'm going to do today what Jesus did 2,000 years ago. I'm going to talk to you about something that you all understand. And we're going to bring a spiritual truth about it. So popcorn comes from a little corn kernel. And if you haven't ever thought about the process here, here's, why, here's how it works. Here's how you get popcorn out of a popcorn kernel. And I'm trying to get it all down so I don't spit it on the front row while I'm preaching. But popcorn in this little kernel, listen, there is moisture on the inside of the kernel. Now, when that moisture's on the inside of that kernel, <clears throat> you've got to then put that kernel in the right environment. So you put it either on the stove top or you put it in a microwave, but you get that little kernel of corn, that little seed of corn that has moisture on the inside of it, put it in the right environment, and, and like say a microwave, and what happens is this heat then, then begins to cause the moisture inside of the seed to, go, to become steam. The heat turns the moisture inside the seed into steam. And the, and the longer it's under the heat, the more steam gets created inside of the kernel. And, and the pressure inside the seed, watch this, watch this, watch this. The pressure inside the seed begins to press on the outer shell until you have the pop. And then all of a sudden, all of the good starchy stuff, why you like to eat this so much, all that beautiful white fluffy starch, which was already on the inside of the kernel now comes out and you have delicious popcorn. Jesus used an illustration similar to this about 2,000 years ago. And, and when we study this today, we're going to study how Jesus disciples his people. And, and, and here in our church, this is something we're looking at for about three weeks. We're talking about this question. How did Jesus disciple the early Christians? Because listen, I don't care about systems. I don't care about, you know, man-made programs. I care about us following how Jesus discipled people and let's create systems that model his. And so the, everything we're doing right now is we're trying to model Jesus. Last week I told you that when Christians came about, when people followed him, he put them together in groups, in community. We need one another. Somebody shout amen. amen. We need one another. We're not called to live out our faith alone. Today, let's go a little bit deeper because last week was about connect. Everybody shout connect. Today, we're going to be about grow. Shout grow. And by the way, this sounds a whole lot like our conviction of our church, right? Our conviction statement, if you've been to starting point, is three simple words. Connect, grow. Anybody guess the third one? Go. go. And so guess what next sermon is next weekend? Right, we're going to talk about how we are to go in Jesus' name. So we connect to God and to one another. Today we're going to talk about growing. Look at Matthew chapter 5, verse 1. 
Here's some of the model that we see from Jesus. It says, when he saw the crowds, he went up onto the mountain, and after he, next two words, circle it and say it out loud, what are they? Sat down. His disciples came to him, and then he began to, next two words, say them, circle them, teach them, saying, and then we have the teaching there, right? Why did Jesus do this? This was his model, and it's a little different than the American culture, right? In American culture, you come to church, some dude stands behind a lectern or a table and stands on the stage and preaches and teaches. But in Jewish culture, when a rabbi had something important to teach, he didn't stand, he sat. And when a rabbi sat down, everybody knew it's time to listen up. He's got something to tell us. He's got something important to say. And so in this case, the crowds gather. Shout the crowds. Jesus sat. Jesus taught, right? Why did he do this? Why does God tell us that in the scriptures, Jesus taught the word to people who were listening? It's because here's what God knows. Here's what God knows. I want you to write this down. Number one, your mission. Write this down. It's a whole sermon in a sense. Here it is. God knows that growth occurs when God's word is rooted in our soul. When God's word takes root inside of us. There's something powerful that happens when we get under the word of God, when we read the word of God, when we hear the word of God, when we study the word of God, when we get into the scriptures, the holy word of God, and we get it on the inside of us, all of a sudden when it starts taking root, that's when growth happens. That's when change happens. It doesn't just happen because you came here on Sunday. It does, it's not going to just happen because you went through a Bible reading plan or even sat in a small group. It happens when we allow the word intentionally to take root inside of us. And then the word of God has the power to bring forth the transformation that we're looking for. Here's a great illustration of this. Look at uh, Mark chapter four now. Look at Mark chapter four and you'll see this. And Jesus illustrates it kind of like my popcorn illustration that I'm still struggling to get down my throat. <clears> That's what you get when you do this in front of people and they wish they had some. So here we go. Let's look at this together. Mark chapter four. And Jesus began to, next word, teach by the sea in a very large crowd, shout crowd, had gathered around him. So he got into the boat on the sea and he, next two words, sat down. So he is intentionally getting ready to teach them something. While the whole crowd was by the sea on the shore, he taught them many things in parables. What is a parable? A parable is simply a common story that people would understand or a common illustration like popcorn. And it's something that God would use that everyone would understand in the story, and yet he would teach a spiritual principle in the story. So the sto the, there's always a spiritual meaning to what he was saying. So watch this illustration here. And in his teaching, here's what he said to them. Listen. Listen. Consider. First thing he's doing, he's getting everybody's attention. Here's why. God knows that we are great at hearing people, but not listening to people. All married folks in the house, raise your hand, shout amen. You know what I'm talking about here? We are awesome about hearing, but not really listening. Anybody gotten in trouble about that lately? 
And it happens in church. It happens in churches every Sunday all over the world. We hear the word of God, but we're not listening to the word of God. And if we don't listen, it can't take root. If it doesn't take root, there's not going to be any growth in our lives. So Jesus starts out and he grabs everybody's attention. He says, listen. That's exactly where I get listen, listen, listen from. Somebody said that. I love that. I love that you got that. Amen. Listen, listen, listen. Here's what Jesus said. Consider the sower who went out to sow. Now he's talking about seed in the hand of a farmer. Consider the sower who went out to see, uh, to sow the seed. Some fell upon the path, shout path. And the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground, shout rocky. And uh, where it didn't have much soil. And it grew up quickly. And since the soil wasn't deep... When the sun came up, it scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, shout thorns. <clears throat> and the thorns came up and choked it, and it didn't produce fruit. Still other seed fell on good ground, shout good ground. And it grew up producing fruit that increased 30, 60 and even a hundred times. And then Jesus said, let anyone who has ears hear, listen. It, let everyone who has ears to hear, listen. One more time, Jesus says, listen, I don't want you just letting this pass by you. I don't want you just to uh, abide your 30 minutes through the sermon. I don't want you just let this go in one ear and out the other. I need you to listen to what you hear. And then notice verse 10. And verse 10 is like the key here for us today. Ready? Look at verse 10. And when he was alone... Somebody shout, the crowd left. When he was alone, those around him with the 12, read with me now, go. Asked him about the parables. Here's what's going on, and here's what I want you to understand. First of all, Jesus is preaching the word of God. He is teaching the ways of God, the kingdom of God, to the people. He is teaching them the word. When he talks about seed and the hand of the sower, he's talking about preaching the word of the Lord. He's talking about the word of God being the seed of God. And the seed's got to get inside you to take root, right? I'm going to show you that in a moment. But that's what's happening here. Now, it's not right on your message notes. It's actually a different passage in Hebrews. But Hebrews chapter 4 uh, says these words. Listen to them. Just write this down. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 says, For the word of God is living. Shout us alive. The word of God is living and effective and sharper than any double-edged sword, penetrating as far as the separation of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It's able to judge the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. God's word is like a surgeon's scalpel being able to remove the things that need to be removed to bring healing in your life. You don't just need a simple uh, just general knowledge of God, you need to get to know God. And the way you get to know God is through his word. And when you get to know God through his word, it takes root up inside your life and it brings transformation because the word of God is living. God takes the word and it comes alive. By the way, let me just ask this question. How many of you have ever uh, just needed something? I mean, you're just empty on the inside. You just needed a word of encouragement. You needed some direction. You needed some guidance. 
and you opened a Bible or someone brought you a Bible verse or they sent it to you on your phone, whatever, and you got into a scripture and it only took one, but one piece of a scripture, one verse of scripture, and it lifted off the page and it spoke to you right where you were and it turned your whole perspective around. How many has ever had that happen? It's because the word of God is alive. And when you get into the word, you let the word get into you. I got a pastor friend down in Nashville, his name's Robbie Gallaty. And every weekend when they're reading the, the key verse for the sermon, he'll, the whole congregation shouts out at the end of the reading, word. And, and it's built on this saying. They've got this little saying in their church. We get into the word until the word gets into us. Word? Yeah, okay, that's good. He'll, he'll be watching this and he'll say, right, I see you did that. All right, we did it. The goal here is to get the word of God inside of us and let it take root because it transforms our lives. Jesus is talking about the seed. Here's what Jeremiah 17 tells us. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. He will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It doesn't fear when the heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. What kind of person has that as their lifestyle? Who, who has that strength? No matter what life throws at them, the man and the woman who has the word of God taking root inside their soul. And this is God's desire for you. This is what he wants for you. Some of the ladies this week went on to... Uh, a women's conference where they heard about the progressive Christianity movement that's sweeping across our land. In this movement, they take, there are people there, uh, in this movement, they deny the authority of the word of God. And it's just stories and, and great principles to live by, but they'll take the word of God and they'll just change it ever so much to where it's not the word of God, the literal words from God. And, and when you, listen, this is what Satan does. When you take the whole truth, this is what he does. He likes to take the whole truth and add half a truth. And when he takes a half a truth and adds it to the whole truth, watch this, then the whole truth becomes an untruth. Chew on that for a moment. When Satan came to Eve in the Garden of Eden, did he come out with a straight out lie to Eve to deceive her to eat the fruit? No. He took the word of God and brought it back to her. God had said, don't eat of this tree. If you eat of this tree, man will surely die. And, and what Satan did was, is he put a question, all he had to do, all he had to do, put a question mark where God put a period. All Satan did was, is, did God really say that? And then Eve thought for a moment, hmm, is that really what I heard? Did I hear him right? Is that what the Lord said? Is that what that verse means? Is that what the Bible says? Is that what God wanted? And all of a sudden, where God put a period, Satan put a question mark, next thing you know, the world's gone through hell since the Garden of Eden. Y'all with me? It is vital. This is what Jesus is teaching us. It is vital that we prepare ourselves to receive the word of God. He mentions four different soils in this passage. He talks about the path. He talks about rocky ground. He talks about thorny ground. And then he talks about good ground. And only one out of the four receives the word of God the right way. 
And what Jesus is saying, here's the application, it is vital that you and I pay attention to how we receive the word of God and listen, not just hear, but listen and receive it so it can bring forth the transformation that he wants in our lives. So this isn't on your message notes because there's just not enough room there, but let me read to you the rest of this teaching where Jesus then explains this whole sower and these, so, uh, these soils with the seed. So Jesus says this to his disciples after the crowd went away, when the disciples all gathered around in a circle around him, Jesus began to answer their questions and he says, some are like the words sown on the path. When they hear, immediately Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others are like seed sown on rocky ground. When they hear the word, they immediately receive it with joy but they have no root. They're short-lived. When distress or persecution comes because of the word, they immediately fall away. Others are like seeds sown on thorns. They're the ones who hear the word, but the worries of this age, the deceitfulness of wealth, the desires of other things enter in and choke the word and it's unfruitful. But those who are like good ground hear the word and welcome it and produce 30, 60, 100 times what was sown. So watch this. Here's what Jesus says. Some people, when they hear the word of God, they never listen to it. They never receive it. They're like the path and they just reject the word of God. Other people are like rocky ground. How many of you have seen people in any of these categories? You just think about this. They're rocky ground. They receive the word of God. They come to church immediately. Woo! I want Jesus. I need Jesus. I love Jesus. It's all Jesus. They never even knew who he was until they got there that morning. But now it's all Jesus and they're all fired up. And about three weeks later, you never see them again. Right? Because now all of a sudden they had no root. They had nothing ground in them. The first trial came and instead of running to God, they ran from God. Or thorny ground. Thorny ground are folks who come to faith. They, they, or they, they receive the word rather and, and they start to grow a little bit in the word. And then all of a sudden they lose interest in God and the things of this world, the cares of this world, the worries of this world, the fears of this world, everything else takes precedent over their spiritual walk with Christ. I don't know what we're going to do in America if the right president doesn't get in this year. I don't know. They said this might be the end of time. I don't know what we're going to do with the bank. Man, inflation's really bad right now. I don't know. I feel sick this week. I don't know. I'd like to travel a few more places. I don't know. I need a little more money in my 401. And all of a sudden, every care of the world takes precedent over their spiritual journey. Now, I need everybody to look up here and online too. You look up here. We'll have fun for a moment. This is talking about folks who this is how they receive the word of God and this is their nature of receiving the word of God. We got to give some grace because here's the grace. Every one of us in this room and watching online it sometimes have been this soil of one of these when we've heard a word from God. Amen? How many of you would testify even if you love Jesus, there's been times that you turned a deaf ear when God gave you a word? Or there was a time when some other care of the world took precedent. And, and, or there was a time when, when you didn't follow through with a commitment because the root wasn't there yet. We've all done that. We've all been there. So look at your neighbor and shout, give me some grace. And I'll give you a double portion. Come on, somebody. <laughs> but this is talking about how folks generally receive. As a whole, there are folks who struggle when it comes to receiving a word from God. 
But then he has this good ground. How many of you want to be the seed of good ground? Then, then what, the, what Jesus is saying here, here's the application. We have to intentionally choose to receive when God gives us a word, and then we've got to apply it. We can't just let it go away. We can't get distracted with other things. We've got to follow through with the commitment. We've got to let the word of God take root, and when it takes root, it's going to transform our lives, and we actually become the people that we always wanted to be because the word of God is transforming us into the image of Jesus. But we got to let it take root. Are you with me? Shout, I'm with you. Now, right now in our church, we're trying our best to follow what this looks like. Again, I don't care about programs. I'm not going to go to any conference and say, hey, man, look how many people we got signed up in small groups. But right now, we are building a new group system because this is the model we found in Scripture. Jesus, in this passage, preached the sermon to the crowds. Did you catch that? He preached it to the crowds, but in verse 10, the crowds, the crowds left. What did the disciples do? The disciples then, 12 of them, gathered around the feet of Jesus and started asking him questions. Why? Because they didn't just want the surface of the sermon. They wanted to know the truth in the sermon. When we talk about life groups here in our church, and we, we've got three different uh, categories of groups coming up on, on these semesters, and then all year long we have life groups. And I'll walk you through that in just a moment, because you're, you're hearing a lot about it right now. You even got a second uh, handout today at, at the back about some of the types of groups that are going to be available for you to sign up for next week. Next week you'll get full descriptions. Today's just general topics. Why is this important? Because I can't in 27 to 30 minutes is what my general time is to preach to you, give you all of the meat you need out of a passage. I have to give you a general idea and some application points. But if you really want to grow deeper in your walk and your study of scripture, then what Jesus did with the disciples was is he preached these general truths to the masses, but then in a group set in smaller settings, that's where you could dig into the topic. You could ask questions. You could talk about it as a group and you grow deeper in your faith. And all I want you to see is, <clears throat> is that this new discipleship path that we're building for you actually is us just trying to model what Jesus did with his own disciples. So let me look up here at the screen with me. So when we talk about life groups, we'll talk about them year round. You can join a life group at any point. A life group is going to be just like what we read in Mark chapter 4. These will be groups that will study the sermon that I preached after a Sunday. And you'll be able to talk about it as a group. Ask some questions. How do we apply this? Uh, and dig deep into the passage as a small group. Then three times a year, we're going to promote semester groups. And these are short-term groups. They don't last very long. They're not year-round. They're 10 weeks at max. And in that, there are three categories. One category is going to be called Discipleship Academy. It'll be taught here, and it'll be taught by staff or key leaders that we've chosen. This is systematic theology. This is for those of you who need to learn theology, how to study the Bible and the doctrines of the Bible. If you're a new Christian, the first one will be called square one, where you'll come and learn about basics of Christianity. And then you go to foundations one, foundations two, foundations three, and you go to a different one each semester that is offered for those of you who just want to dig deeper into Bible study. 
But then there's going to be other topical groups. They may range from what, whatever people are wanting to teach. It may range on finances, marriage. It may be about parenting or uh, recovery or addictions or grief. But there are special topics that people can teach. They're short term because we all need these topics as well. And then those of you who feel like God may be leading you to one day lead a small group, then we're going to teach you a six-week course uh, three times a year in a semester for new group leaders. I'm going to teach the first one. If you want to be taught by me on what it looks like to lead a small group, you need to sign up next Sunday for the group leader training. Now, all these start in October, and you can't sign up today all registrations begin next Sunday morning when you get here. We're going to open them all up. We'll have more information for you. And we're going to have people all over the lobby helping you get signed up. Or you can sign up on your phone or at the Next Steps counter. But we're going to sign up when? Next Sunday. I just want to make sure you got that. And what we're simply doing is we're trying to follow this model that Jesus gave. Jesus taught the word to the masses, and then in smaller groups, they delve into the topic and study and ask questions. Because we want this word of God to be like a seed that gets inside of you, takes root, and bears beautiful fruit for the kingdom of God. Amen? Why is this so important? Well, I mentioned a moment ago, there are strategies of Satan out there to deceive and take the word of God and twist it. And here at CPC, we don't get caught up in man-made doctrines or tribes or all I want is to be a biblicist. I just want to preach the scriptures in context to you. I want to know what God said by the word of God. I want to follow it and I want to teach that to you and I pray and believe that if you will get into the word of God, it will transform your life. And so we want to help you with this. Now, if you come to a small group or even at church here on Sundays or even in your home, that little girl, as she was talking about the small group that God laid on her heart, she talked about talking to her parents about it. They ended up coming talking to me about it and I'm like, go girl. Man, you are fired up and ready to go. We, we can win fifth and sixth graders for Jesus and teach them the word of God. You think I'm going to slow that down or stop that? No way. We're going to, we're going to resource them. We're going to encourage them. We're going to uh, oversee them. We're going to help them make sure that they're out there doing the work of God and they're not doing it alone. They know they've got a support system. And, and this, is, this is what we'll do for you too. But here's what I want you to know. In the environment of your home or in a group or at the church, you got to have the right environment for a seed to grow. My papa, Papa John, he was the most amazing man. He could eat a piece of fruit, spit it in his tobacco can, take it downstairs and put it in the basement. And by next spring, he was planting something in the backyard that came from a seed he spit in a tobacco can. And by the fall, we were harvesting fruit. He could grow anything. And I'd be like, Papa, where'd these watermelons come from? That one I ate last year. I can't grow a thing. He didn't, he didn't, I didn't get it. Anyway. There's a harvest coming in your life if you get into the Word of God, but you got to be in the right environment. So here's what I want you to do. I'm going to do this really quick. Just take your message notes, and I'm going to show you in the Bible what kind of atmosphere you need in your home or in your small group or in our church to let the Word of God truly 
do the work it needs to do, right? Here's the atmosphere. Number one, write this down, an atmosphere of acceptance. You have to have an atmosphere of acceptance. Online groups, same way for you. You have to have an, uh, an atmosphere of acceptance. Romans 15, 7 says, welcome one another just as Christ welcomed you. Every time you struggle with someone because of their past or because they look different than you or they've done different things than you and, and you struggle with opening up your heart to them and welcoming them and making them feel welcome, you just go look back in the mirror and remind yourself you are to love and welcome them just like Jesus loved and welcomed you. Because none of us has got it all together and all of us are looking for a place to belong. Amen? In fact, when you look at these early disciples, they were such a ragtag bunch. No one would have put Peter, James, and John, and Theodos, and Bartholomew, and Nathaniel, and Simon the Zealot, and, and uh, Tom. No one would have put these guys together and made them one group and said, you guys are going to change the world. You had country boys, fishermen. You had a liberal working for the Romans. You had a nationalist, a terrorist who hated the Romans. You, you had guys from all different backgrounds and personalities. Two of them were brothers called the Sons of Thunder. They had an explosive personality. One time Jesus was preaching and people didn't receive him. And one of the guys said, let's, let's pray for God to strike them with lightning. <laughs> That's the men God chose to change the world. But you know what? Jesus brought them all together made them a brotherhood and transformed their lives. Shout acceptance. Second one, an atmosphere of affection. Now all you men don't shut me out. We don't like the term, but we all wanna be loved and accepted. Jesus said this in John, he said, the whole world will be convinced that you're my disciples by the way you love each other. Look at Galatians 6.10. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially those who belong in the household of faith. We all want to have a place to belong. The next one is this, an atmosphere of authenticity. I love James 5.16. Therefore, confess your faults to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The one place on this planet you ought to let down your guard and be who you really are is in the church. But the church is often the place where everybody puts on their fake mask. Life's going through hell, but they come to church and somebody says, hey, how are you, brother? Good. Everything all right? Yep. Did you see any this week? Nope. Liar. This is the safest place on the planet when Christians act like Christians should act. This is the place where we should have each other's back and love each other and pray for one another. In fact, scripture says we ought to confess our faults to each other and in doing so we'll find healing from the Lord. This is the place in our groups and in our homes that we can't have surface level chit chat. This is a place where we take off our masks and we truly love and support and encourage one another and we don't judge and tear each other apart. This is what happens. You know, here's a great verse for you. First John says, if we live in the light as God's in the light, we have fellowship with each other. If we say we have no sin, we're fooling ourselves. <clears throat> 
The world says intimacy happens in the dark. God says it happens in the light. True fellowship is in a place of acceptance and authenticity. Real people serving a real God going through real life. Amen? And then this one, an atmosphere of prayer. And in fact, before we close, I just want everybody to read this out loud with me. Let's read this prayer because this is a prayer I pray that you have for yourself and for everyone in this church, for me, and I for you. All right, online campus, pray this over each other. Let's read it out loud. Ready to go. I pray that he, Jesus, may grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened in the power of your inner being through his spirit. And that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you being rooted and firmly established in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length and the width and the height and the depth of God's love. And to know Christ's love that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with all the Fullness of Christ. How many want that to be prayed over you today? And that's what, how to happen in our church and in our homes and in our groups. Here's what I'm telling you. When you create an atmosphere in your home, in your small group, and as we continue to work here in our church to create a place of acceptance, a place of affection, a place of authenticity, and a place of prayer, we cultivate people's hearts so that they can receive the word of God and it can take root and flourish in their lives. Here's your big takeaway. I want you to grab a hold of this today. <clears throat> Spiritual growth takes place, it's cultivated in community. Let's go back to the sitting down with Jesus moment of the disciples. What kind of environment you think he created with those men? They knew they were accepted. He knew, they knew he loved them. They knew they could be real with Jesus. I mean, who's going to lie to Jesus? Right? I mean, he sees right through. He's like x-ray vision. He sees your heart. Who's going to lie to him? God, I, here's, who I, here's how I feel today. Okay, I got you. I saw it coming. It's a place of prayer. They come around Jesus and allow him to teach them the word of God. Here's what, here's what I know. You can't grow spiritually by yourself. You need community. You need people around you. Did you know there's 56 one another's in the Bible? Love one another, forgive one another, help one another, serve one another. 56. You can't do any of them by yourself. You gotta be in a group. You gotta have people around you. But here's something else I was thinking about. Let's go back to popcorn. I'm not crazy about regular popcorn. Now you put some cheddar sauce on top of it. Come on somebody. Now we're getting somewhere. A lot of melted butter. Now we're getting somewhere. In fact, in fact, my mother-in-law, when she comes up, she always brings with her this red bag from Sam's. She always stops at Sam's before she gets to our house. Because she knows better. She brings in this bag of popcorn. Watch this y'all. This is like heaven on earth. It's got chocolate sauce drizzled all over the popcorn. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Now think about this. <laughs> Tastes so good. Give me a cup of coffee. Come on, somebody. When you just look at a kernel of corn, you don't think 
about all that popcorn that can come out of that. But at the same time, everything you're waiting for is on the inside of that seed. All you got to do is make sure that seed gets put in the right environment. And then the popcorn can come. Listen to me. Everything you want to become in Christ is already on the inside of you. You just got to get yourself in the right environment where the seed can be planted, take root, where you're loved and you can be real. And you know you're welcome and accepted and watch out. You're going to become the men and the women God has always planned you to become. You just got to be ready to pop in the right environment. Amen.